2: 2020 what a fucking disaster but it wasn't all bad kids we may have gone actually we're still currently going through some of the scariest stuff in my 40 plus years on this planet but honey we did it with the killer soundtrack some say that the best art comes out of times of trouble that makes sense since 2020 was a fantastic year for popular music, and The Great Pop Culture Debate is here to tell you all about it in our Best of 2020 Music Edition. I can't teach a man how to wear his pants, but I can help him take them off. I'm your host, Eric Resniak, and I am joined by this week's panel,
3: forever reaching for zen-like status by practicing her ohms, please welcome Andrea Guerrero. Eric, now's really not a good time. My Pluto's in Gatorade, and I'm trying to align my chanclas. Oh my God, my chonklas. <laughs> I'm having a
2: flashback to my childhood with my mom chasing me. Uh, he'd rather be dry, but at least he has his Chromatica jock strap. Please welcome to the podcast, Jake Pitticelli.
0: <laughs> Rain on me, tsunami, Eric. And yes, mm. that is a euphemism.
2: Oh, hey. I'm sure. I've heard all the stories.
1: Oh, I bet you have.
2: Mm hmm. His Spotify rap for 2020 called him a big old queer. It's Kevin Dillon.
1: Oh, Eric. I just want to get physical.
3: Mmm.
2: Our best of 2020 episodes will be a little different than our usual format. There's no polls, no brackets, and honestly, barely even any debating. Our panelists are just going to do a pop culture show and tell of our favorite stuff from this past year. Do you disagree with our picks? Do you want to add some of your own to the discussion? Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and leave a comment on this episode or find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook and tell us what you think. And with that out of the way, let's get to our top five picks of this year. I'm going to throw it first to Andrea. What is one of your we we call it the top five but frankly spoiler we had top 10 lists and some of our picks didn't quite make the cut listen to the warm-up on our patreon page for that andrea talk about one of your five picks that we're going to be discussing today
3: so i want to start off with 31520 by childish gambino we all love childish gambino Mm -hmm. we know him very well we love donald glover this album admittedly it's not his best album but for the vast majority of us, I don't think any of us were putting out our best work in 2020, right? It was, we we kind of did what we could and we found joy where we could. And I really think that's what Childish Gambino did with this album. Was he was just having a good time putting this album together. Um, I've seen a lot of complaints that the lyrics were really simple and like faux intellectual, very much like, you know, um, white guy read Hemingway for the first time in college and really wanted to talk <laughs> about it. Um so <laughs> I, I I heard that criticism a lot. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for this album. Um, especially in March. So the album was called 31520, which is when the album first streamed on this website for free. Um, March and April were really crazy. And I just I wanted simplicity. That was all we craved was just to kind of really get to bare bones. And so I I didn't mind that the albums were um rather simple for for Gambino. Um I think the album is a fun grab bag of some of his past albums like Camp and Because the Internet and Awakened My Love, you get some of the kind of um brash harshness from camp and you get some of the um really sexy jazz from awaken my love and there's even like some elements of prince in there um and so it's it was just really what i needed to sort of relax and tune out and it was really great to be able to put this album on and like dance around my kitchen and make a pizza um It's kind of forgettable in terms of Gambino albums, but I want to forget 2020, at least parts of it, not everything, but parts of it. And that's how I feel about this album.
2: I feel like that's very fair. And I will also say that I think it speaks to Donald Glover's, the expectations we have for him as an artist. They're very high. They're very high. And so if you're not constantly knocking it out of the park, then it's it's kind of thought as a disappointment. But maybe that's not what he was trying to do. And I always think that that is something that fandoms have an issue with is trying to respect the artist's intention versus their expectations of them. So
3: truly. Um, and you. I really think that that was his intention was he wasn't trying to put out his best work. Like it's, it's pretty clear that he wasn't putting the heart and soul into it. Like he was with the my love and he was just wanting to be creative and have fun.
2: Nice. Did you, anything else on that one?
3: Um, I mean, that was pretty much the gist of it. It was it was really simple and it was just what I needed at the beginning of the year.
2: Yeah, I mean, similarly, I, my pick, uh, my, my one of my top fives, is Fun City by Bright Light, Bright Light, which um, is, is not a hugely well-known artist, I don't think. Um, it is not an album that's going to change your life, but it's a really fun, um, very digestible, catchy album. Actually, most of my picks, spoiler, are fun, easily digestible, catchy. That's exactly what my musical wheelhouse tends to be. Um, so what Bright Light, Bright Light gives you is... Really Really solid electro pop. It is, as you kind of pointed out, Andrea, great dancing in your apartment music. And um, incidentally, while speaking of dancing during the pandemic, he has been doing some fabulous quarantine dance parties streaming, um, including my personal favorite, one devoted entirely to the music of the Pointer Sisters around September. Uh, Life giving. So even separate from his album, which is very solid, if you aren't following bright light bright light on social media strongly encourage you to do so so there's not a bad song on this album i'm going to give special shout outs though to touchy used to be cool and this was my house um he's using it's not just him he's a a producer as a dj as well as a singer he also is bringing in a bunch of iconic and -and up-and-coming gay singers like brendan mclean jake shears and andy bell who guest on this um in the past, he's also had uh, Elton John on some of his songs. This is kind of what he does. I think it's a really strong album. And if you have not heard of him before, go back. His discography is great. Um, and he he does both covers and, and new stuff. And if you're gay and you're not listening to this album, I think you're being a homosexual wrong. So that is my oh. pitch for Bright Light, Bright Light. <laughs> um, and I think you need to get into it. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jake. What is one of your top five albums of the year?
0: Okay. So one of my top five albums of the year is, it disagrees uh, with uh, Kevin's uh, choice for one of his, for his uh, Disappointment album, but it's High Road by Kesha. And I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to debate this. I know we're trying to keep this positive, um, but I'm going to kind of put my argument out there as to why it's one of my top albums of the year. Um, So it came out in in late January. Um, so at the beginning of the year, and I, I thought, you know, I, at first I didn't include this as my, one of my top albums of the year because I kind of forgot about it. Not necessarily because it was a bad album, but because so much has, had, ha- has happened and so much music had been released between um, its release and until now. But when I took a look back at some of the albums that I had been listening to over the year, um, I came back to this album and I really enjoyed it. It's so much fun. And it's kind of all over the place, right? It's a hot mess. But so is Kesha. And so mm. I don't necessarily think that's a bad <laughs> very thing. very on
2: brand. It's very
0: on brand, very. I, I think for many artists, if it were kind of all over the place, that could be a criticism. But I think for Kesha, it's kind of an exception where you have, uh, you know, pop, you have country, classic rock. And, you know, this was the second album that she produced on her own after Rainbow. Her first, uh, I think, two or three albums were produced by, um, you know, the executive producer that she had a big falling out with. And so this is kind of her, uh, you know, kind of getting her balls back for, you know, for lack of a better term. Or maybe not. And she um, you know, just for the the fact alone, it's one of my top albums, is for the lyric. Um, it's in the song My Own Dance. Um, it says, Hey, I don't do that dance. I don't circumcise my circumstance. Like, mm. right? and I think just for that, for that lyric alone, <laughs> um, for that lyric genius, um, you know, I, I think is is Part of why, uh, you know, I really, it's just such a fun album. She doesn't really care as much. You know, she's just having fun writing the album, she said. And you can tell when you listen to that. Um, between, I think that is one of my uh, top songs on it, uh, on the album, as well as um, the last song on the album, which is Chasing Thunder. It's just a really great um, feminist anthem, um, really empowering, kind of encapsulates um, where Kesha is now um, from where she started or where she was maybe a few years ago.
2: You know what's interesting, Jake? The way you were describing that is actually very similar to Andrea describing Childish Gambino, and I think the way that Taylor Swift also described Folklore, which someone on this podcast will be getting to in a minute, um, <laughs> is
3: they—they
2: uh, they were writing albums not to please anyone else. They were writing albums for themselves, um, and I. I appreciate that. Well, we've been into this a little bit in the um, warm up, which again, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can go and listen to now. Um, but there is something to be uh, lauded for that—for not trying to make an album specifically to please your audience, but more, I'm an artist, and this is what I want to say in this moment, which I think is fantastic.
3: What a what a perfect year to to do
2: something like that. Too. Amen. Yeah. Like yeah. doing some self fucking care via art, right? Yeah. Um, of so There You Go. So thank you, Jake. I appreciate that. That was a very good argument for why it is not bad. <laughs> Again, check out well. Kevin's argument in the warm-up. Speaking of Kevin, I'm <laughs> going to give it to you. What is one of your top five albums of this year?
1: Well, so it fell into spot number actual eight for me because other folks mm-hmm. are talking about other albums, but it is one that I want, want us to get to talk to, about, which is Taylor Swift's Folklore, which I came out last year as a Swifty, um, I thought it was welcome to the club,
2: Kevin. You
1: know, I, I, I don't think I, you know, it's a thing that I didn't know about until like, it just like came upon me. She was actually one of my top five artists this year. Mm. I, I really enjoy. And it was because I was listening to a lot of her different music um, yeah. uh, this year, just because I, I do think there's something really great about the work that she does. And to your point as to, Her album, Folklore. Folklore, I think, is an album that is pure escapism and nostalgia. And I think it really highlights why I enjoy her. Um, It's that she writes her own stuff. And she is a really, really, really good songwriter. And I don't think people give her... I, I don't think people give her enough credit on that. And I know she gets a lot of credit because she wins awards and things like that, but... But she also gets a lot of criticism. Yes, and I think this Mm. is... It's such a well-written album, and I think it's some of it is word soup, which I love about her. Um, And and it's okay in that because it works. It, It actually actively works. And I think, spoiler alert, you'll notice this from my albums that I'm going to talk about. I there's definitely some pop stuff that I love, but I'm definitely more of a like folky, soft, like this is fully my lane. And that's why her album makes this list for me. But I also just think it's a, it's just a damn good album. I really do. I think Cardigan is a great song. I love her collaboration with (sighs) there. I think it's so beautiful. Oh my God. I was at Boston calling, this is a tangent for a second, when Bon Iver uh, played and he when he, there was, oh my God, he just started playing and the rain just started pouring and it was like the most beautiful moment. But the two of their voices and Exile really complement each other. And I know some people actually criticize that song a little bit, yep. but I, I really like it. I think it's really good. Um, and I think this album highlights, um, a more introspective Taylor, which I really appreciate. Um, I would say it falls probably in her list of albums. I would say it probably falls number three for me in all of her albums of all time. Interesting. Um, and the, and what I like about it is it, she just feels more relaxed, more loose. There's just like. A let she let go a little bit and i think mm-hmm. if you watched miss americana which i mm-hmm. think is a great i actually think it's a really great music documentary great documentary she fine with lover she kind of unleashed all these great singles on us i really like lover uh from an individual track basis i don't think it's yep. a good album i don't think Agreed. it comes together but Agreed. that's why i love folklore because i think it is and that you'll notice this with my albums. For me, there were some people I wanted to put on the list um, and, that I didn't because I think there are uh, une- there's an unevenness in some of the way they co- cohesively work together. I don't think they're bad albums. I just think that folklore works because it really is seamlessly a good album.
2: Yeah, and in the warm-up, I talked a little bit uh, – one of Andrea's other picks that we're not going to discuss at length is Trixie Mattel's album, Barbara, and I mentioned that Trixie Mattel has a great uh, documentary called Moving Parts that you can find on Streamy Now, which really gives you insight into her as an artist. Yeah. Um, not not so much the music part, but just her as a general artist. Miss Americana, for Taylor fans, is Oof. essential. It's so good. It really gives you an insight is to, um, A – what she's trying to accomplish this intense people pleasing part of her that has really driven so much of her music prior to folklore. Mm -hmm. And I think when it came out before folklore, so then when you listen to folklore, you can see she let off the gas and she's just doing what she wants to do. She's not worried about pleasing people. And I don't think it's a coincidence that folklore is her most critically acclaimed album in years. Yep. Far beyond the past too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I will say this. I don't want her to win a third album of the year award. I think that's a bit extreme. Now, do I think she shouldn't have one of those? Correct, I do not. But I, I just think she's. Uh, I just think it's a little. It's a little bit too soon. I, I would be fine with her eventually doing it. But I guess this would be a good album to win. Like I think winning for 1989 and this would have been like perfect. Like that sure. would have been. A great, great combo, um, but I, I I we'll talk about the person who I think someone will talk about the person I think who should win <laughs> this year
3: was there <laughs> the album that was released when she was fighting with her record company? No, no that was
2: so uh there was there's a couple different fights that were going on with Taylor in the past couple of years. Her early records were all bought by scooter Braun who hates her guts he bought the record label that was her first record label and so he owns all the originals to her first i think three or four albums up through red i believe yeah and um what is now happening literally right now as we're recording this in early december is taylor is actively re-recording because she still owns the rights to the to the the actual like music just not the recordings she's re-recording all of her original albums right now and in fact one of the songs love song from fearless, I believe, or it's either fearless or, or speak now um, is used in a Deadpool commercial, but it's for re- com. Thank you for, uh, so her re-recording of that song is being used. And people have pointed out that there is an abandoned scooter in the background of the video. So one of the things I actually really love about Taylor is she stands up for artist rights and yep. is a great self advocate, but I don't think that I, this is, this album was recorded after her fights with her record label. She's now got her own thing going on. Was that what you were referring to Andrea?
3: Yeah. I was just curious because it does seem like an album that, would be released after a lot of struggles with a record company. I haven't listened to the album personally, but just from the general vibe uh, and the kind of like indie feel to it, yeah. that was what I was getting was that this was, you know, Taylor's way of doing something completely different than what a record company would, would look for. Her,
1: her record. record label did not know that she was releasing this. I will say that this was yeah. a thing she it was did a surprise release. It, it was a surprise release and uh, bravo to her. Honestly, I have yeah. to say that mm-hmm. it, it's a great album.
2: Jake, you were going to say something?
0: No, I was going to uh, to say that what uh, kind of going off of of what Kevin was saying that it's so cohesive that every song on the album you can listen to it and hear that oh this go- this is a folklore uh, you know mm-hmm. song and um, what I love about her in the past few years is her political activism um, you yeah. know as you mentioned in, in the um, Miss Americana documentary she's such a people pleaser and she was kind of a- afraid to um, to let. You know, to make aware of her her political beliefs, which um, you know are are clearly now. Um, you know, she's. Are more liberal and and progressive and and it's something that's nice about this these past few years and these past few albums she's between you need to calm down with lover which is a, a gay anthem whether people have some there are some criticisms with it but um you know clearly um you know with a lot of gay icons and, and showing her allyship um you know to to this album as well with her, her political i think there are political themes to this i mean i think if you look at the song cardigan um it's kind of you know kind of kissing the the haters goodbye who are kind of giving her critiques with this like uh, yep. the lyric um you know red lipstick sensual politics um i think that kind of encapsulates like you know she doesn't really give a fuck what you know critique she might be getting about her political stances that she's taking it's because people are afraid of her because taylor swift um is such a force
2: Absolutely, she is. And uh, I think uh, one of the things that you mentioned, she gets a lot of criticism. She got criticism for you need to calm down. Taylor cannot do anything without being hyper criticized. And yeah. I, I will say this a lot in the podcast. There is such an element of misogyny to this, including from coming from other women, that I think people need to check. And every time someone's like, Ugh, Taylor Swift, I'm like, stop yourself and tell me why you don't like Taylor Swift. I, I need actual reasons. And it, t- t- I don't know, I just think she's annoying. Where is that coming from? I, um, I
1: think some of her criticism was, and, and I do get this cause I've seen it more and more is from her apoliticalness. but yeah. obviously miss America and yeah. uh, explains that away. And I fully contextualizes that. And I think that's why a lot of artists, like I've heard it from, um, Oh God, what's his name? Sorry. Indistinguishable white twink. Um, not Sean Mendes. Troy Char- no, Charlie Puth, Charlie Puth. Um, where he it's been spotted that he's been on like liking uh maga stuff and things like that and he has a huge fan base and he said nothing during the election so like i think that's what people are critics were criticized i do think obviously there's misogyny in the taylor thing more than that but I, I think some people were just like come on speak up but you could say the same thing about i don't know any pop pop correct artist.
2: Correct. And that's the thing. It was just her. Um, So I want to thank you everybody for a a spirited discussion on Taylor Swift. So Andrea, why don't you tell us about your second album that you want to discuss?
3: So my second album would be RTJ4 by Run the Jewels. Um, I think everyone in the U.S. is probably very familiar with Run the Jewels at this point in some capacity, um Run The Jewels has just been like having a moment for the past like 5 years. Um every album that they come out with has been a hit. There's never a miss. And I know that there was some disappointment around RTJ4, but I I don't feel that way at all. I think the album um reflects perfectly on what was going on in 2020 with Black Black Lives Matter movement, police brutality, other racial injustice issues. Um this album talks about all of that, which that's what run the jewels does is they really do talk about a lot of those social injustice issues. They have their whole career. Um, killer Mike and LP have been very vocal, um, about their thoughts. Um, and this album was really the album for the movement of 2020, um, which I think is really what we needed. Um, there was one track in particular that I wanted to call out called walking in the snow. And I want to read just like a verse from it. I'm not going to like try to wrap it. Like no one wants to hear that, but <laughs> <laughs> the, the verse is and every day on evening news, they feed your fear for free. And you're so numb. You watch the cops choke out a man like me until my voice goes from a shriek to a whisper. I can't breathe. And you sit there in the house on couch and watch it on TV the most she gives a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy, but truly the travesty you've been robbed of your empathy. And I think that there's so much in that one verse. Um, But what was particularly jarring for me was um, the, the throw to I can't breathe, um, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot Mm -hmm. of us know was in reference to Eric Garner, Mm -hmm. um, which is who he was writing it about. But we found out later Um, after the murder of George Floyd, that his final words were also, I can't breathe. So it was just a a reflection that these aren't just the problems of 2020. These aren't new problems, which um, those of us that are part of marginalized communities, we know that those aren't problems. But I think 2020, (laughs) we all know, has kind of blown the lid off of every issue that this country has, um, which is a lot. Um, But to, to hear that and think about you know how many times we've heard that phrase in the last few years um just really it it hurts and it it sucks and i just whenever i hear killer mike um talk about it you can just like hear the pain in his voice um and i also really love the last two lines about you know a, a twitter rant and how it's sort of fleeting um and you know you you sort of have this this moment of anger for a week or two and then you change your Instagram profiles and your Facebook profiles to the black square and you know um, that lasts for a day and then it's you move on and it, there's um, there's a lot of focus too with 2020 being the longest, shortest, longest, shortest year uh-huh. <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, and you can feel that happening with some of these issues that are coming up. Um, you know, you, you, you care a lot in the moment and then it almost, it either moves so fast that you don't have time to care anymore, or, um, you kind of get jaded. You kind you really get desensitized to what's going on. Um, like you said, you've been robbed of your empathy. Um, yeah, that line in
2: particular really resonates with me because I do think if you actually look at everything that's going on, the core of it is a total lack of empathy from, from parties. And, and I, I I'll admit there are times where I'm I'm like, why would you even think that? Like these are people too. Right. Like I just got the text that Rudy Giuliani tested positive for COVID. And my initial response was, <laughs> Oh, here it comes. And then I was like, That's a man who's dealing with a very serious illness and maybe you need to check yourself. So oh, I still um, said yay. Yeah, <laughs> I said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that that speaks very much to exactly what's going on right now and it sounds like an incredibly relevant album for this year. Yeah so. it's,
1: it's a re- it's a really good album. I, I had a friend who was into them uh, very into them and it got me to like back go back into their catalog and I was actually really hoping this album would be up for Album of the year. Um, I should have known better from the Grammys. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think it is really one mm-hmm. of the it is a very strong album. It was very close to making my list. I didn't I, I, I didn't bring it up in the earlier um, warm up, but it, it was a it was it's probably it's definitely in my top 20 of the year. I really like it. I think the lyrics that you hear that I I've grown to really become very fond of them and I think what they do is really something special. Um, and I think this album really put them on the map and like, they didn't even get a best rap album nomination. Like Mm. it's, it's really weird. Like, I I think it's a really, really good album. I'm glad we're talking about it.
2: I'm glad we're talking about it too. Thank you both. Um, anything else to add on that, Andrea?
3: I, I just really appreciate how run the jewels, um, have always been talking about this and kind of, they, they have to, um, given their circumstances you know they have this platform and and they have the ability to to reach an audience kind of like how we're talking about swift earlier that she gets a lot of flack for being apolitical um and then when run the jewels is very overtly political i think Mm -hmm. people can tune out really quickly yes yes um but um he, Killer Mike and LP, they were writing this album in 2019. So they were writing this album before you know we even knew the hellhole that we were getting into for 2020. Um, and just to have it be so relevant, you know, a year after they wrote it, um, it's. It, it, I think it just speaks volumes to um, the work that they've been doing. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you again for bringing that to our attention. It's definitely one that I had not listened to yet, but I will make sure that I check out after this. Um, I, I am going to do something utterly uh, inconsequential compared to that and talk about Carly Rae Jepsen, <laughs> which is arguably <laughs> the least essential artist on this list. A beautiful but, transition. Love exactly. It. Um Exactly. But, but God bless it. I love her. Um, I, I think that Carly Rae is really giving us some of the best pop just straight up pop no like pop dash anything of the past five or so years i agree Um, I think that uh, so. Th- I'm talking specifically about dedicated side B, dedicated side A. I guess w- not actually titled that, just dedicated. <laughs> came out <laughs> last year. Um, and weirdly, following the previous discs, which are emotion and emotion side B, the side B is once again so much better than the original album. And the Always. original albums are not bad. They're not bad. Like they're they're fine. They're they're solid pop albums. But the side B's are where it is at. And I don't know why she does that. Here we are. Um, I would say that uh, I think a lot of people miss this one because it was right in the middle of the pandemic and we were all kind of losing our shit. Like for anyone who's listening to this in the future and you didn't really listen, live through 2020, it has been like uh, time has lost all meaning. This year has lasted a decade. And yet somehow also it's been just two weeks of terror, right? Like constant terror. And it's so easy to miss things. This one, I think, kind of fell through the cracks for people. But this love isn't crazy. This Is What They Say, Fake Mona Lisa, Comeback, Solo. These are excellent pop songs. Any one of them should and could be on the radio as a hit single. Any one of them. They're great. And if you didn't somehow missed Dedicated uh, Side B and you are a fan of just straight-up pop, I want to strongly recommend this disc. Is it, again, an essential disc? No. Is it a very good pop disc? You betcha. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. Jake, why don't you take us to your second pick?
0: All right. My second pick, um, I, I think, kind of goes off of um, what Andrew is talking about, an artist who is very uh, relevant to the times that we're going through now, but also is going through a little bit of controversy. Um, so this is After Hours by the Weekend one of the biggest albums of the entire year, just in a commercial success, um, but also on a single success. Uh, Blinding Lights, I believe, is the um, number one song of the entire year in terms of airplay. Um, every time I turn the radio, I, I hear <laughs> Blinding like, you know, da, 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 da. and it's a good song. So I don't mind, you know, I've been hearing it all year, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really song, good, it's right? catchy, right? It's the it's and- TikTok song, right? I believe so. I'm not sure, but I I think so. Um, and I, I, why I like this album is it has a lot of '80s synths, um, kind of incorporated with you know traditional R&B vibes. Um, and and so- standout songs from Blinding Lights to Save Your Tears, which he did an amazing um, performance recently with Kenny Loggins at the VMAs. <gasps> Kenny um, Loggins. Did you? I don't know. Did you see that performance? Already? It's
2: so good. I didn't. I'm old. And so I don't watch the VMAs, but I love logins. Go on. Uh, <laughs> um, well, he
0: actually, no, it was at the American Music Awards, but he okay. did perform at the VMAs on top of the Freedom Tower in New York, which gave me extreme vertigo. Mm. <laughs> Um, which is fun. And then he at the uh, the AMAs, he like walked across a bridge with uh, Kenny Loggins, um, having like the saxophone moment with fireworks going off in the background. Um, And of course, you know, he was dressed up in like these bandages, which is a thing he's been doing.
2: Yes, I did see that.
0: Yeah, if, if you notice, because it's kind of um, and I, I kind of looked into why, you know, the messaging behind this, but it um, kind of goes along with the album cover where he's bleeding. And it, it's kind of a, a microcosm and a representation of the brutality that um, that black men and women are going through right now. And in all of his acceptance speeches where he won artists of the year at the VMAs and Artist of the year at the AMAs, um, he, he several times he would just go up and say nothing. His only speech would say justice for Brianna Taylor. And then yeah. walk off. Yeah. Um, so he's really bringing that star power, uh, you know, and using his platform to bring attention to that. Um, simultaneously, he's not nominated for any. Um, uh, for any... Don't get me <laughs> started.
1: Oh, it's so
2: bad.
0: Keep going. I know. And this is the controversy I was talking You know, he has this. Um, which is interesting because Grammys typically love um, you know chart topping songs. I think of Bruno Mars who swept up you know uh, and um, and Billy Eilish and Adele um, you know who who swept up a lot of perform um, top category wins and had because they had big commercial success, uh, success. But um, I, I think I can't really seem to find a reason, or, or nor can anybody, why he was kind of. Um, blocked out of the awards and he took to Instagram. I don't know if you guys have seen to say, you know, the Grammys owe my fans um, and everybody some transparency, which I kind of agree with. Well, the T the
1: is, or the, sorry for our straight listeners, uh, the rumor <laughs> is that that he was approached by uh, Jay-Z to perform at the Super Bowl right. and he accepted that. And the Grammy said, well, we want you to perform too, but you can't perform at both. So, you hmm. have to pick. And he had been approached and agreed to the Super Bowl before. And it's hmm. Jay Z. Are you going to say no to Jay Z? I'm not. And it's Jay- the Super Bowl. And it's the Super like, Bowl. Yeah. So, he was like, okay, well, then I guess if you are, I mean, I don't understand why the Grammys wouldn't be like, I, I mean, how many times does the weekend perform? And we keep talking about his performances. People are still going, I love this album and I'm glad it's on your list. I think it's very good. I'm spotty on the weekend but I love this album. I think Blinding Lights would probably be my single of the year, personally, because I do think it's it's so fun. It's just so 80s. It's so perfect. It's so, so, so good. And the fact that he got zero Grammy nominations is why the Grammys are corrupt. And I think they're a mess. Like, you
2: It's would think- insane. Insane. After what happened last year with the Grammys, when there was, like, everything blew up last year with the Grammys and like the legit scandals, like it wasn't even suggested. It was flat out said yep. all of the corruption that was going on. You would think they would have been on their best behavior this year and being like, OK, like seriously, guys, let's just do this, like just do it the way it needs to be done. And they still fuck around like, no, no, ma'am, crazy to me. Crazy. No, ma'am crazy. Well, yeah. thank you for that. Uh, anything else, Jake, or are you cool with us moving along?
0: No, no, that's good. I just want to say, I think, um, it's just disappointing that he didn't get any, you know, nominations for it, but he'll have the last laugh. I mean, it's the top album of the year commercially <laughs> yep. performance wise. It was a great successor to Starboy, Um, and I think the reason there is so much, um, protest that this didn't get a nomination for anything is, um, kind of a reflection of why it was such a good album
2: agree all right kevin what about your number 2 pick or i should say your second pick
1: what let's, let's oh yes oh haim women in music part 3 i have enjoyed them i think they are fine artists but this album my lord i i was late to this album and i asked a group of friends we have a group text with who are very big in music and i was like okay what do i need to listen to and the album that all three of them said was Hame. And so I was like, okay, I I've listened to their stuff before. Um, and my Lord, I've listened to that album at least six times since I think it's really fantastic. And I, it really elevates their artistry to a whole new level. Um, it's three sister. If you don't, aren't familiar with them, it's three sisters. It's this like, Um, folky, um, you'll hear that in a lot of my stuff, I guess, folky album that is just really, really fantastic. And each of them have been going through their own, personal tragedy that they brought to this level. One of them was diagnosed with diabetes. One of them had a partner who was diagnosed with cancer and they're, they're bringing their own pain to the album, but they're also bringing a level of fun that I genuinely love and enjoy. There's a song called 3am, which I fully connect with. And it's about someone like being like, Hey, uh, what's up? Uh, just kind of see if you're still up. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've done that.
2: That is the Kevin Dillon theme song. Reason <laughs> Dillon, if you don't know him, the sup, you awake, les, les that is. is Kevin's you know, aesthetic. You know,
1: I'm fine with it. I don't. I am gonna slide your DMs, and I'll own it. You know what? Exactly. Just embrace it. it. Means I find you attractive, regardless. Mean into stereotypes. I'm fine with it. Um, and 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 it it does go straight to voicemail in the song, and it sometimes goes straight to voicemail in those DMs, but. Um, I think what I love about this album is it really shows the true um, evolution of artistry that you would expect from a group of folks who really have the talent, and 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 they really bring it in this album. Um, I, I I think this is something that I would highly recommend anyone who like just genuinely loves music to listen to. They're really good lyricists. It's it's not all a downer, which is great. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the big things that I can share with it, share about it. It's, it's got this like somewhat poppy feel to it in many ways. Um, it's multi-genre. There's some rock in there. Um, you know, there are really overstuffed arrangements that I love an overstuffed arrangement. Who doesn't? um where you get to see all of these different quirks and fun aspects to the work that they're doing in their music um i think this is if yeah this would be actually my runner up for the albums that are nominated for album of the year i think it's a really really strong album um and and i would highly recommend folks listen to this it's it's a really beautiful album
2: Awesome. Uh, We are going to take the quickest of breaks, and we will be right back with the rest of our top fives of the year.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: back we are in the middle of discussing our best albums of 2020 i'm gonna hand it to andrea what is your third pick
3: next up i want to talk about fetch the bolt cutters by fiona apple which i just like i always want to talk about fiona apple in general but for the purpose of this podcast we'll narrow it to fetch the bolt cutters um I like I don't really know what more there is to say other than it's Fiona Apple like that should just be enough to warrant someone's top 5 albums in my opinion. Um she can do no wrong and she is what I consider to be like the Janis Joplin of our generation just with the the passion and the soul in her voice that she's had in her entire career and Fetch the Bolt Cutters is no different. Um she recorded this album out of her house in california and i think it's one of the most well-produced albums that she's ever released it just sounds like sonically fantastic if you're like if you appreciate production value the fact that she did it out of her house and it was mostly her um it's it's amazing it's percussive it's emo- emotional um she's utilizing everything in her house as an instrument she's banging on the ground she's like literally like tearing pieces of paper into a microphone to get that sound um she's like singing to her dog's ashes like <laughs> on a mantle like it's just it, it, it's everything um that i think a lot of us had pent up in 2020 even especially as the year went on um i think any of us would have you know, jumped on the opportunity to scream into a microphone and bang on trash cans and make an album like that just sounds so cathartic and you can feel that in this album. Um, and I like that she did a lot of, um, I don't really want to say different, but it's definitely strayed from her normal. I think a lot of people think of her as like a piano musician, mm-hmm. especially with song with with Criminal, I mean, which is sure. a song that I feel like everyone knows. Uh, you don't really get that like sort of like poppy piano vibe in this. Um, there's a track newspaper where she has like um, a bass guitar and it's like a slap bass technique. So it almost sounds a little... Um, it sounds heavy and you don't hear that a lot with her. Um, but, and I really do believe that Fiona is like an underrated feminist icon. And I think she deserves a lot more space when it comes to talking about intersectional feminism. Um, and you can pick up on a lot of that in this album. She's talking a lot about, you know, bad breakups, but she's also talking about, um, some abusive relationships that she's been in, especially um, emotionally manipulative relationships. Um, And the way that she's carrying that on her, on her, on her soul, on her chest and the way that she lets it out, it, um, it it really kind of, it it makes you weep almost at some parts. Um, You just kind of like, you know, clutch your chest and you're like, Oh my God, Fiona, I love you so much. Please never stop making music. Um, but yeah. I, and I know this album ranked, um, number one album for a couple of different, um, websites. I think like consequences sound, I think pitchfork maybe even had it as their number one album. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what more can you say? It's Fiona Apple. She put out an amazing album. Like uh, that's it. That's, that's it. That, that, that's the tweet.
1: And, Shamika, <laughs> and Shamika, Shamika, we cannot forget Shemika.
3: Yeah, Shamika um, said she had potential, and mm-hmm. she sure did. Um, it is definitely a very different sound for her. And
2: I like I had Title back when I was a, a wee um But I, I, she's certainly to me. I don't even think she's underrated. I think she is 100% a feminist icon, and I think yes. her career has been fascinating to watch. um She's a, a true artist to me, in, in in every sense of the word. I don't think you can even debate that. So, thank you. Anybody else have any thoughts on Fiona? Or I think
1: she's this album is just amazing. It's it <laughs> is incredible. It was also on my list, so I'm is glad you. Yep
2: correct um i will go with my third which is manic by halsey and i will say that um prior to this album i i knew of halsey i was familiar with some of her songs i was not uh, particularly connecting with the music but i think that's fine because i don't consider myself halsey's target audience um but this album blew me away uh in, in some ways i can actually see parallels for this and some of what fiona did you know decades ago um it's Uh, For me, on a completely different level from anything I've ever heard from Halsey before, there's a real maturity here, both in the songwriting and in her performance. Um, It felt very much like she's exposing parts of herself that I don't think she had done prior uh, there's a lot of self-introspection here, but it wasn't um, navel-gazing to me as much as it, as it was an acknowledgement and a trying to find ways of moving forward. It was, I mean, you used the word cathartic with Fiona Apolandria, and this album feels very cathartic to me. Um, beyond that, what I really liked about this album is the levels to it. Um, it's not just one mood. It's not just one tempo. It's not just one mode. This is a real roller coaster, um, but it's all very cohesive to to me uh i thought it was to me in terms of an, an overall album this to me is a work um and i was so impressed by it there are a couple interludes featuring other artists that have clearly inspired her one of them is by alanis morissette and like you can see alanis morissette's influences on this artist and the whole thing just felt rich and fully lived to me and I was so impressed by this and Halsey has very much a new fan in me so uh, thank you to, to Halsey she also got shut out I believe from the Grammys and she made a, a I thought it was a very thoughtful but not I'm gonna use the term but hurt here that's not really a, a fair because <laughs> I think that you know she has every reason to me it was just like you put a work out there. You think you've done an amazing job. People do res- resonate with it. It gets mm. completely ignored by your industry peers, but I can just do what I did and th- and I'm have to be happy with that. And I think that she should be very, very happy with this album. I, I was blown away. So that is my number three. Jake, how about yours?
0: Well, I just want to add to that, um, Eric. I also loved Manic by Halsey and I myself wasn't a huge Halsey fan before. I, I knew of her, of course, with her, um, uh, the song uh, i think like closer with um who's that group like you know baby pull me closer in the backseat of with the other with the chain, of smokers. Chain, chain
3: smokers yes
0: i knew her from that originally and then she did a, a collaboration with um with bts recently which i really like so she's done lots of cool collaborations mm-hmm. um but this album uh manic i really i really enjoyed um i thought it was smart well written and it just it's one of the albums that I played to played most and I didn't expect it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, on a day, on a daily, I would, on the daily, I listened to like, you know, you should be sad or graveyard and not until recently did I learn that her name was Ashley. And if you yes. interchange the letters <laughs> that, ex, that, that's actually, that it, that spells Halsey. Yep. Um, so that also, you know, that was also, um, you know, we, we love to see that. <laughs> um, my third album choice of the year goes to, um, goes to Sam Smith. I think they are so talented. Uh, They're one of the few artists that has a a Grammy, Oscar, uh, Golden Globe, and they're like, I think only, you know, younger than 32. They're beyond talented. And the transition from the first album um, where he did Stay With Me, uh, uh, where they did Stay With Me, uh, and to now um, to Love Goes, I think really shows their transition to this pop uh, diva fun music that they kind of always wanted to. And that's something that I heard them say in a recent interview um, that they've always wanted to, that they always listen to, you know, Beyonce on the daily in their caftan. And that's kind of music that they wanted to release something that they could just do that, um, you know, cause they were going to release this album earlier in the year. And then they pushed it back in the middle of the pandemic um, because he wanted to, because they wanted to make it more fun and upbeat. And I think they accomplished that between dancing with a stranger with Normani. Um, How do you sleep? Um, I, those are really upbeat songs that I listen to all the time that I think um, are, are really not only just a fun listen to, but they're always, they're just always, they're smartly written and really cool Um, something different than what they've been doing. It's a complete opposite from stay with me. And I really like to see the side of Sam and I hope that he does it more. I saw his live stream. I saw their live stream of the, um, of the concert recently uh, of their debut uh, um, of love goes um, on iTunes. And it was amazing. He, they, uh, the choreography, uh and the the instrumentals that they do i just think every time that they perform it's next level um and i just this album is it's it's, it's a lot of fun and that was their intention uh writing it and i think that it was
1: accomplished <laughs>
2: that's excellent and i will say that much i think taylor gets a lot of criticism that's undeserved i think sam smith also gets a lot of criticism that's undeserved for sure. i see people coming for sam smith all the goddamn time.
1: I guess I'm going to be quiet during this segment. That's (laughs)
2: fine. That's
1: fine. Uh, (laughs) I think they deserve it, but
2: (laughs) it's fine. Uh, It's fine. Well, thank you, Jake. I appreciate that. Uh, Kevin, what about you? What's your third pick?
1: My third pick is perfume genius, perfume genius, which is uh, my level of queer excellence. Um, uh, And their album set my heart on fire immediately. Um, I first, I didn't know about them until I um, watched the movie Booksmart. Um, uh, And if you've seen the movie, uh, their song is used when, um, uh, oh my God, what is her name? I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. I'm blanking. But when she jumps into the pool and she's swimming through the pool and it's called uh, Slip Away. And I was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this song. I love this song. And, uh, um, And then I started listening to like every single thing that they did. And I love this album. I think it is so, so beautiful. I think it, it navigates this experience, what, what, what they are going for. And I've read interviews uh, with them. Um, It's an exploration of body and like what, what their experience around body means. So um, the artist, his name is, this is really bad of me because I love the album, um, and I'm blanking. Uh, it's oh, Mike Hadreas. Um, he was exploring dance, and it was his exploration of body and dance through this album. So there's definitely some like slower pieces that you get, um, but there's also also these like very poppy musical moments in the in the album, and so you get this like really good blend of. I think powerful ballads, but also powerful pop moments. And what I love about them is that they really just, uh, the the whole album is an event. And I think as any queer person should do, even Sam Smith does this, you know, you create an event. and, And I think that's the thing I love about Perfume Genius and any queer artist, like, you get this experience through this album that you're just like, I am taken on a journey and I want to go there. Um, I think the other thing, this is their fifth album. um, And it's, it's really just, it glides into this like almost like sublime experience where you're just like feeling all these different emotions, whether you're feeling a little bit, wrong, or you're feeling a little bit of dissonance, or, you know, there's this joy that you feel around what they're portraying. Um, and, and I think the way they explore the human body in the lyrics that they have, it's, it's really, really, like, beautiful. And you get this, like, I don't know, the way I kind of, it's like this, like, passion or desire that you get to explore through their music. And I really love them. So, I if you've never listened to our perfume genius song, um, I would I guess I would share with you to start with "Slip Away," um, because I think it's it's very much a song that's a good entry point into them. And then kind of jump into their different albums, especially this one, because I think it is one of their best. And I highly, highly recommend it. And I don't I actually don't think enough people are talking about this as one of the best albums of the year. It's one that I think is kind of getting discounted, unfortunately. Um, and I, that's I, do, I do think it has to do with their queer queer identity. Um, so,
2: And that's why we're here, Kevin, is to I know. give some <laughs> attention to some other albums that people should be considering. So yes. if it was yes, the ma'am. same album that everybody else is talking about, it'd be kind of pointless. But that's I'm right. glad that you're bringing that to our attention. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, Andrea, how about you? Your Your fourth album?
3: So my fourth album is going to be Ohms by Deftones. Um, I think a lot of people abandoned the Deftones in 2002 um, after they released um, White Pony, which was their sort of um, breakthrough album that everyone loved. Um, And I was one of them. Uh, Whenever they released an album, I listened to it, I gave it a chance and it just always sort of fell flat for me. They spent a lot of time, in the last decade experimenting with their sound they didn't really like change up their genre they just really um tried to um play with the texturing of some of the guitar work that um the guitarist Stephen carpenter was doing um and which is great i mean we've you know kind of hit on this a little bit today you know we always want to see artists grow and challenge themselves and change um but I think there was a little bit of a struggle within the band to really find that balance that they they needed. Um, so Ohms came out, and it's the first album in the past decade from this band that I um, have listened to more than once. I, I mean, I've listened to it tons of times. But I mean, to, <laughs> to um, be able to come back to them um, and see them grow From White Pony while still being able to maintain this um, heavier rock and metal sound um, was just really comforting for me. Um, And I didn't expect this album. I didn't even know they were coming out with an album. They became one of those bands that I sort of stopped paying attention to. It was like, oh, they released an album. Okay, I'll listen to it and then move on with my life. Um, And so this one really grabbed me. And I think the title track, Ohms, is super accessible. And I think um, even Three gay men who really love pop music would really love this track, so I highly recommend you guys go check it out. Um, and uh, I, it's it's just really, um, it's a good rock album, which you don't really get a lot of these days if you're not tuned into the rock genre scene.
2: Yeah, that's very true. That's one of the things that I realized in the past, like five plus years. Like rock is dead.
3: Like, yeah, it is. Rock it does is. not <laughs> exist anymore.
1: It's, it's like country.
2: Country. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm I would love to get we'll get to this in a second, but like I need some much like banging. I need that pulse. I need something <laughs> that's moving me forward. Um and uh <laughs> that yeah, was like enough about, about
3: your, <laughs> your enough
1: about your personal life. Exactly. We don't need
2: to. <laughs> um but uh in all seriousness, like I miss rock. I miss rock. And so I am 100% going to check out that album on your recommendation, Andrea. Thank
3: you. Awesome.
2: Um, I will go with my uh, second, fourth, whatever pick, which is "Disco" by Kylie Minogue, and um, much like Miss Carly Rae Jepsen, whom we discussed previously, Kylie has this tendency of like every other album is really good, and then the ones yeah. in between are fine; they're fine, mm-hmm. not, not bad, but they're they're um the even numbered albums, as I think of it, are fire. Disco is fire. So her, her album before this was more country influenced. And again, there are some lovely songs on that. Um, but disco is exactly what you think it is. It is a disco album. However, it is not a throwback it does not sound corny it does not sound like 70s music it takes what made disco work from the 70s and brings it into a modern context and for me it's very successful i'm not going to say that every album or every song on the album is terrific because there are a couple clunkers in there but there are some great singles on this album um miss a thing real groove monday blues where does the dj go oh, all where does really the dj so go oh fabulous God, right oh. um it's it's probably her most danceable album since fever. And that is very high praise coming from me because fever was it in the early two thousands. Um, of course I'm remiss not mentioning magic, which is not the opening single. It is the like second single, I believe. And it is, fantastic it is we've talked about caftan bops right this is a caftan bop ladies and gentlemen (laughs) um it is like every time i think it is in my top five like most listened to songs of the year and it came out in november so that's i can't i can't i I can't aggressive (laughs) but needed it is a great i'm kicking cooking blue apron very fair very much (laughs) um i can't judge
1: you I can't judge you because my most listened to song last year was shallow and that came out in like October. And like, I listened to it like a hundred million times.
2: It's whatever gets us through this year. Right. Exactly. Um, So I think it's a really fun, great album from Kylie and I am all about disco. And I would say this Kylie may be the last eighties pop diva still standing, which I would not have guessed you know 30 years ago um she's been around since the 80s kids and at this point she has fully walked off with madge's gaze and she's that's because kylie is giving us what we want she's giving us everything we want and she for is that, the say, highlander she is thank you kylie we salute you um that is my spiel so jake take it away what is your fourth album All right, Eric. So you
0: mentioned that you were needing some rock and roll in your life. And Mm -hmm. while this next album isn't necessarily in the specific genre of rock and roll, it definitely has uh, those influences. Um, and this album is Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. Um, I put this on my top album list even before it was even, uh, released just because <laughs> based on the first single, um, uh, Midnight Sky and the direction I saw that she was taking with this album, I just knew that I was going to love it. And then once I learned the collaborations that were going to be on this album, um, even more so, uh, some of the collaborators that she has in this mm-hmm. album are, are very current and. Um, uh, such as Dua Lipa uh, mm-hmm. with her single "Prisoner," which is such a bop. Um, such a bop. The, the music video is crazy. Uh, there's blood. Uh, there's disco. There's flashing lights. I feel like Stefan from like SNL. <laughs> it
2: has everything. <laughs> it's it has everything.
0: everything. It's New York's hottest club is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But also what I love about this album is, uh, again, it has those rock and roll vibes and the throwback to the 80s. And, and I think that makes sense because she is a child of the 80s. Not necessarily was she born then, but her father, obviously, as we know, Billy Ray Cyrus, such an 80s icon, um, and, and now kind of having a, a rebirth renaissance moment with, um, with Old Town Road last year. Um, but she has really, you know, gotten legends like Joan Jett um on her song bad karma um the edge of midnight slash midnight sky remix with stevie nicks was the That's remix so i never hot. knew i needed so hot so love good. it good oh my god it's just like perfection when i listen to it and it's just it's it gives me life and it just makes this gay boy very happy to hear those two queens from uh, you know stevie nicks and and miley cyrus just uh, that remix is everything and I can't listen to it enough. I think that was I'm not sure if it's my number one listened to song this year because I don't have Spotify. <laughs> um, I, like I'm Music in
3: 2020. Music,
0: I'm an Apple music user. And hold on, let me tell you why. Because I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, well, whatever. <laughs>
3: <Same>. <laughs> because I still use my,
0: my college EDU email, so I still get the discount. <laughs> so it's Love it.
1: ah, ah, ah.
0: she loves a bargain.
2: She does. Please welcome to the main
0: stage, Bargain Basement.
2: (laughs) Exactly. We love a frugal queen.
0: No, exactly. So, you know, I may not be able to show how everybody... You know how cool I am, and that I listen to music uh, once a year. Um, but you know, it's I, I love a good bargain, and I'm only going to pay 4.99 for it. So until they find out, until they listen to this podcast, until Apple listens to this podcast and sends me a threatening letter, um, the you know, jig I'm keep is doing... up,
2: Jake Pittacelli. It, it, <laughs> you're done for.
0: I've been caught. Okay, back. To, let's listen back to uh, back to Miley. <laughs> the um her the other um song which i love with an 80s icon is billy idol night crawling it is such an have you listened to it eric
2: i have like honestly jake this entire album is so good and i'm so glad that it's right up in your top two because uh, i would have picked it for my top five if you hadn't had it on yours it is excellent and like i i will say i'm out of my least target demographic i was way older than hannah montana um I always thought that "Bangers" was her trying really, really hard, and she was very successful in that phase. But this, to me, felt very authentic. I like I believe that this is the music that Miley Cyrus is into, and she is fully present here,
0: a hundred percent. And I love um, kind of this glam rock inspiration, and obviously she she produces with Mark Ronson, who that's very um, you know in his wheelhouse, um, and this is kind of her gateway, you know, kind of t- touching her foot into to the to the realm of rock. and role and i love how much of a chameleon she is where she can go from this classic you know this rock and roll genre to pop but again i guess i shouldn't be too you know uh too surprised i mean going from an average girl by day and a superstar by night as hannah montana she's been doing that for you know all her life
2: (laughs) it's true that she's the best of both worlds
0: Mix it oh, all together. And I will say I am a child of the 90s and early 2000s. So every morning before, <laughs> before school when I was uh, in, in seventh and eighth grade, I would start with my day with see you again. And that would give me the strength to have this gay boy walking down the halls uh, of Lincoln Middle School and just give me the strength to kind of like, you know, feel my oats and still. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Miley Cyrus and uh, slash Anna Montana for, um, you know, for for consistently uh, giving this gay boy strength in life.
2: I will say Miley has had quite the journey. She really has. Truly. Um, And I I think she gets dismissed a lot. And I was one of the people who did um, for quite some time. She's a Disney star, whatever. But when you actually just look at her voice, just separate the voice from everything else that is Mm -hmm. a great rock and roll voice and she can really sing. And um, I didn't know that I needed a new version of Joan Jett, but God damn it. I need a new version of Joan Jett. And Miley Cyrus is that era parent to me and I welcome it. Yeah, I agree
3: with you, Eric. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm really excited to watch Miley's career over the next couple of decades. Like, I just think she's going to do really great things. She has already, but I think it's only going up for her at this point. (laughs)
0: No, I agree. I think, Eric, that you were saying that this, um, you know, she has a lot of growth and that um, I, I think with the Bangers album, like you were saying, it was her she needed to mature and kind of break free from that Disney mold. Yep. And she kind of did that with that era. And then, of course, you know, Miley Cyrus and her dead's pets, which we won't even get into. Um, and and then. Um, you know, now she's really broken through that mold and kind of into her own. And I I really feel like this is the music that she loves to make. And you can tell because it's so much fun to listen to.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great album and I'm glad it was on your list. So thank you for that. Um, Kevin, I want to hear about your fourth pick.
1: Yeah, so I actually am going to swap because I was going to put this person as my number one pick, but they're going to be my number two pick. Um, So my person that I'm doing is Phoebe Bridger's Punisher. Um, I love my, these last two picks are easily in my top three of the year. I think uh, my top two album will be talked about in a minute by someone. Um, Punisher is such a fucking great album. It is so, so, so good. And I love what Phoebe Bridger's does. It is I shared this I think I shared this album with you Eric like a while ago and I was like oh my god I love this album and like good lord the the folkiness I've said that a lot if you can tell I really like folk music um I'm just call me a mighty wind um I I love what I love what she does in this album because we get this like pop folkiness where you get her I love Kyoto is like a beautiful song and it was nominated for best uh rock song um this is actually the first year where best rock song is uh at the Grammys is all women um it's never happened before it's really cool yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. um but I I think what Phoebe Bridgers does in this album is this is her uh, like I guess technically second official studio album um, she writes music in this like really like super catchy way. Um, but yet she also focuses in on these like deep issues and like really gets you into her music and you like fully in, you fully vibe with the work that she's doing. Um, I love that her intro track is called DVD Menu. Um, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of that. Um I think there's um if you listened to our hopefully you listen to our Christmas um
3: uh
1: holiday best song, um I'm not a huge fan of saxophones either, but I do love a horn and her you the Don't use of the, mm-hmm. yeah uh <laughs> oh, the use of horn in Kyoto is so fantastic. And even when you even when she is at her bleakest, there's still enough beat level that she brings to her music that like she really raises you up. And this album is so coherently done. She's just getting you in this pace where you get to listen to this very beautiful voice to a backdrop of beautiful instruments that Level some of the deepest lyrics, deepest tracks that I've heard this entire year. Um, it, it really takes you on a journey. I guess that's the best way. You really go on a journey with her music, and and that's why it's one of my favorite albums of the year.
2: Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate yeah. that. We are I going love to that journey, journey, journey for you. I love, I love that, that journey, journey for, for you. you. <laughs>
3: Thank
2: you, <laughs> uh, yeah. Andrea.
3: You're going to talk now about
2: your top album of the year. What do you got for us?
3: My top album of the year is an album called Dream Hunting in the Valley of In-Between by a band called Man Man. Um, So huge bias right out the gate. This is like my second favorite band of all time. So it was pretty um, natural for them to shoot up at the top of my list. But they've been putting out experimental rock albums since the early 2000s. Um, Man Man is the brainchild of a guy named Ryan Katner or his stage name is Honus Honus. There's a pattern here um and it's the first album that he's put out under the man man name in seven years and so i like i lost my mind when i found that out um and i was like super excited to see them tour because i'd never seen them before and then um the world fell apart but um ryan describes his music as controlled chaos and i think it's the most controlled it's been on this album um it's very chaotic indie rock and one of my favorite things about this band is they have a very liberal use of the marimba, um, which I used to play marimba <sighs> in high school. So I get really excited nice. whenever I hear marimba, like in pop music. Um, the world could always I, use more marimba, exactly. It's and like
2: I love tuba, Andrea, same thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I love hearing. Um, just like the, the playfulness of a, mar- of a marimba combined with just mm. the chaos of the the songs. And it's when I say chaos, I'm not saying that they're like, you know, insufferable and like hard to listen to. They're not hard to listen to. And I especially think this album is their most accessible album. Um, one of my favorite songs on the album is called Prettiest Song in the World. Um, and it's, spoilers, not the prettiest song in the world. But um, one of the lines is... I wanted to write you the prettiest song in the world, but I got distracted by wildfires over Burbank. I wanted to write you the prettiest song in the world, but I didn't. And I just, <laughs> it's just a, a really good example of the way that Ryan writes lyrics. Um, he's chronically heartbroken. Um, it is, seems like he's almost always writing about um, longing and relationships. Um, and, you know, we've all been through breakups and whatever, and he just has a really really fine talent for being able to put a lot of those feelings into words um especially like the really complicated feelings which everyone you know has their own everyone has their own journey on their breakups and different feelings um but i feel like with him there's always a song that you can find that um someone can relate to um and so i just think i think dream hunting um is his best album yet. And I think he's even said that he thinks it's his best album yet. Um, And I, I'm very sad that it's not getting the recognition that it deserves, um, because it was released during a pandemic. And they're not, you know, a huge mainstream band. And I think had it been any other circumstance, this would have been the album to um, really catapult them.
2: And who knows what's going to happen next year, right? I mean, it's possible we could have a a touring glut. I'm actually very curious to see how all of these backup acts try to get back into the cycle, right? It it could be fascinating and it could be a disaster. But let's hope for the better because what else have we got, right? Um, Thank you for that, Andrea. I had not heard of them, so I appreciate you bringing them to our attention. And we'll have to see uh, if they can get – because I'm assuming it's a touring band more than –
3: yeah, it's um, the, the, he's got a, a handful of albums out there, like four or five, I think. Um, but they they're definitely one of those bands that you know they're easy to fall in love with through their records. Um, but you become obsessed after you see them live. Sure. because um, it's always a rotating cast of musicians, and you know they're they're insane on stage. Um, and if you really love the experience of going to a concert, especially more of like a show versus like an arena show. Um, and I'm talking like, you know, mid size venues to smaller venues. It's they're just the perfect band for that environment.
2: Great. Well, my
1: mom, you. my mom actually said to me today, she's like, Oh, my God, I can't wait for you to come see Lady Gaga with us at, at the at the stadium next year. And it's like, girl that ain't gonna happen <laughs>
2: yeah that ain't gonna
1: happen <laughs> um okay i was like uh, okay sure but- meanwhile
2: four people tested
1: positive for COVID in her office congratulations
2: yeah. upstate new york yeah seriously
0: it's okay. okay we'll have the dolly parton vaccine soon
2: soon soon mm-hmm. not soon enough vaccine soon. vaccine Great. vaccine <laughs> <laughs> that's Great it right the right there. dolly Yeah, all praise to Dolly. What can she do? (laughs) Exactly. So I'm going to move on to my personal top pick of the year, and I think it's for several other people. Um, That would be Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Now, Uh, I distinctly remember reading advanced Uh, reviews of this album. It came out in late March, and so I feel like I was reading reviews of it in in, in mid-March, which is right when everything was going to absolute shit, right? Yep. So – I remember these reviews saying, like, this is the album of the year. This is the album that's going to be changing the sound of pop music. And at the time, I was like, calm down. Like, it was literal eye rolls for me. I'm like, stop it. Like, it's March. The world is on fire. And you were here telling me that this album is going to change music, right? And then I listened to the album. And God damn it, they were completely right. Uh, in my opinion... This Nine months later, Future Nostalgia is, this is still unquestionably the best album of the year. And I, I really do think that it's going to be, and I hope, uh, ushering in a new sound for pop music in general. Um, and obviously I'm using the term new very generally here because this album is not really doing anything hugely different. As the title of it suggests, there is a throwback element, Um, but it's a callback to the time when pop music was upbeat. It had unbridled energy, and it was totally unironic. It was just pop music. And sign me up for that. Because I feel like for the past decade, I have been waiting for pop music to give me a pulse again. It's been a lot of this Mm -hmm. very mid-tempo, deliberately off-key. Everybody's acting like they're over it. And listen, like if that's your thing, go for it. But I need strutting that ass music. I need it to survive. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what Future Nostalgia gives me. You've got... Uh, the title track you've got don't start now you've got levitating you've got hallucinate you've got good in bed tens 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 across physical. the board physical like every song on this album is just Dua Lipa giving it to you fully present this is a pop star that I've been missing for a really long time and I um, I, I welcome our new pop overlord. I'm very excited by this, and I was not a huge Dua Lipa fan before. Like I, I, liked some of her songs, but I would see like these tens of millions of views of her of her songs on YouTube, and I'm like, really? Uh, I'm 100 percent on board now. So thank you, Dua Lipa, for giving me the album that was that it, literally. This album got me through 2020, and I'm so grateful for it. So it's um,
1: so good. It is every homosexual. I mean. I- when you look at Spotify unwrapped and you look at like, I'm sorry, this I'll say the stereotypical gaze. Sure. She is on everyone's top artist list. You will see, I mean, my top song of the year was physical. Physical Mm -hmm. is so fun. It's so fun. And you know, what's even fun. I will say this. What's even funnier about her. She really can't dance. She really can't.
0: (laughs) And, and, no, and- she's gotten better. I, I she I, I think some of her performances at the EMAs for "Don't Start Now." I mean, compared to what she what where she was maybe on her first album, she's not the God. best dancer. She's not like Beyonce, but she's gotten a little better.
2: Uh, I will say there is a huge disconnect between her album
1: and
2: yeah. her star power as a live performer. That's okay. Yes, I, totally. I, I'm going to give her time to grow into that because the the recording and. Whether it's her, the producer, whatever, mm-hmm. it's working. And sure. I am, Britney Spears has made a three decade career off of being a highly produced pop product. And she is renowned as an icon. I'm not saying that Dua is there yet. I'm saying she has the ingredients to be there. And sure I, need that right I need that energy. And she's giving it to me more than anybody else.
0: Ariana Grande, uh, take notes
2: ariana Grande, <laughs> the, it, it, i'm not knocking uh, her although i will say decisions would have been uh, is up there with positions my, th- 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 that's what i mean positions up there with my disappointments decisions, of 2020.
3: positions same thing. I, I, choices, I would, have
2: choices.
1: choices. <laughs> I would agree but ariana grande is amazing
2: she is oh no she I'm is i love not. her um but she did not give me future nostalgia this year did she She gave me nostalgia for Break break Free. That's what she gave me nostalgia for. Jake, go ahead and take it with your top album of the year.
0: Sure. So I think this kind of is a good segue from your last point, uh, Eric, with Future Nostalgia is that the kind of music that I think you and I both love is that fun, pure bubblegum pop music that's well-produced, that has production. Um, And I'm here for that. And I think we both are. Um, Mm -hmm. And Kevin, I think – that's why my album of the year goes to Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Now, I know it's a little cliche and it's very, you know, hyper pop, as as the kids say. <laughs> um, and I will admit I am a, a little monster. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the last concert that I saw live before, um, you know, the world started to end was um, I saw her jazz and piano show in Vegas, mm. Ooh, which nice. was amazing. Nice. I bet. Uh, yeah, and I wasn't sure if she was going to go on. She was sick the night before, but she miraculously recovered and brought down the house and did um, a beautiful, did all of her cheek-to-cheek numbers. Mm. Um, and, and that's part of why I love her is how versatile she is. And, and I'm really jealous of that because, again, that's something I'm not. And <laughs> she can go from doing jazz, cheek-to-cheek, she can go to doing a Metallica number to um, doing... Poker face to shallow with a star is born. Um, her just her versatility and her artistry, um, in, in many mediums is just so, um, is just I, I feel incom just so amazing and I, I think it's well, uh, well deserved. But this album specifically made me cry and not because there were any ballads on it that were sad, but it's because the album as a little monster, the one that I had been waiting for, um, because. We first not to know got to know Lady Gaga in the late 2000s with Just Dance. That was her b- big first single. And then she had another one to punch with Poker Face. And that's the music that I fell in love with her. Uh, you know, I remember listening to that on the bus. Yes, I am a millennial. Some on the school bus. I was listening to that Lady Gaga on my iPod. God bless.
2: <laughs> God bless.
0: Bless my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking that I was the shit. And then, you know, listening to um, you know Disco Sticks before I had like you know Algebra, um, and then I fell in love with her with that music. And then between then, you know, she had some great, you know, some people didn't love our pop. I happened to like it. And then, and justice, the for justice, justice for our, our pop. Justice for our pop.
2: It is exactly. a. It is. I actually, criticized.
1: I actually think it's her best album.
0: I think it's honestly. really good.
1: I think it's her best it, album. Yeah, I think it's amazing, and I think that at the time
0: it was people didn't appreciate that. People call you know, obviously called it art flop, um, but I, it had some great hits on there. From Gypsy is such a lovely song. Um, the composition on that is is beautiful. Uh, Mary Jane Holland, um, I think, with the exception of "Do What You Want" with R Kelly, just for obvious reasons, but then she yeah. did a mix with Christina Aguilera, um, you know, to kind of make it all right again. Um, but I love this album. It made me cry because it was the album that I had been waiting for with this return to dance music. Um, her first uh, uh, single from this was Stupid Love, uh, which I was such a fun song. And then Rain On Me, which was probably my most listened to song of the year with, great song. with Ariana Grande is such a an upbeat pop anthem that I can just, you know, dance around in my house or go for, you know, work out at the gym or something. It just gives me so much life. And just hearing Ariana's whistle note at the end is everything. Um, and it's just such an amazing song between two Queens and it's nominated for, I think pop two of the year at the Grammys. This album is nom- also nominated for pop best pop vocal album. Um, so I'm excited to see how that does, it's, you know, also nominated against future nostalgia, which I think probably will win deservingly. Um, Another part of why I love this album is just her, her, the rollout of it was, you know, her, her merch merchandising was amazing. And, and we stand a merch queen between the Chromatica so, jock straps. <laughs> did you actually, um,
1: did you actually get yours? Cause a lot of people still haven't
0: i got mine but it took uh, like
2: three times wearing as long. it right now <laughs> i'm wearing
0: it right now um it's it's just you know what i wear to cvs i wear it mm-hmm. to um you know everywhere i go just to you know to the grocery store just that and a mask and you know nothing matters casual, anymore
2: casual daytime look absolutely
0: there are <laughs> exactly. no
2: rules it's 2020
0: Exactly. Look over there; it's me. Uh, <laughs> um, and just and now with her um, release of the or, or chromatic Oreos that are coming out in January, yep. you best believe. I tried. To, <laughs> so they were going to send uh, free chromatic Oreos for the first two thousand um, people on the email list. I tried. I, I unfortunately did not. I uh, <laughs> did not get any. So I'm, I'm I'm still mourning that loss. But um, uh, but I will be getting them when when they, when they do come out at Stop and Shop. I will be first in line. Um, as, as if I needed another reason to buy a cookie and eat one amen
2: amen but thank you to gaga for wrapping up our year with another way to get fatter so um (laughs) great album and diabetes what a year what a year for gaga right so thank you jake that was excellent anything else to add on chromatica
0: no, I just think you know people were saying that this is co- her comeback to dance. Yes, yeah, her comeback to dance, but it's she didn't really have to come back to anything because she's never really gone away. She just had such an amazing three years between the Super Bowl, her winning the Oscar with "Shallow," um, and which was the most aw- awarded song of all time. Um, uh, you know, to her documentary on Netflix, She's just had such a. Huge uh, few years, and as a Lady Gaga, little mount, model, uh, excuse me, little monster fan, it's just been really, um, it's been really uh, gratifying to see.
2: And we love to see it. So, uh, Kevin, bring us home with your top album of the year. What do you got?
1: Yep, I'm so excited. Um, so I, I changed this actually recently. Sorry about that, Eric, um, because it was originally Phoebe Bridgers, but it it, it really is officially. Rina Sawayama's album Sawayama. It is it is pop excellence, and when I say it is pop excellence, I mean it scratches every itch. It is corn and biscuit meets Britney and Christina. Like (laughs) you will you will listen to a song, you'll be like, oh my god, am I listening to a corn song? Am yeah, I in 1999 and am I, a, am I a freak on a leash? And then the next song is like Pup Princess Realness or Avril Lavigne. Like I love, love, love what this album does. It is clearly an homage to like the TRL, two th- or late 90s, early 2000s, music. Like I don't even want to say pop music because the, in what TRL did was it, it allowed us to engage in this discourse around all these different types of music. And you'll actually hear some R&B too. I was be- actually right before this, there was a song that I was listening to on her album where it was like, this is straight up like late nineties R&B realness. And I love this. What she does on this album is transcendent and and I think it allows you to experience stuff that you're just like, oh my God, this, she is an artist on the rise. She went to, I was listening to an interview with her actually this past week on a podcast and she's such a geek. And she's such a musical genius that you just fucking fall in love with her as a person. She was talking about, I think she went to Cambridge because she's British. Um, So she, I think she went to Cambridge and she's like, I, yeah, I was bullied in college. I was at college and I was talking about how I wanted to be a musician And they were making fun of me and like, this just wasn't the tea. And they didn't think that I was a serious student or serious enough. And like what she does with music is utterly brilliant in this album. And I don't want to slam Pitchfork. I've talked about Pitchfork a lot. They're kind of the, like, I, they want to be the, a reviewer of choice for music, but they fucking hate pop music. They hate pop music so much. And it blows my mind. This album is like a 7.7 for them. Like, and I'm going to say this right now, fuck pitchfork. Like seriously, this album is a 10. It is so perfect. And it is so, it, it is the album that really got me through a lot of quarantine. And I reevaluated what, I needed from quarantine and this album is it. And, and it's it because it gives you everything. It gives you corn. It gives you Limp Bizkit. It gives you Avril Lavigne. It gives you Christina. It gives you Britney. It, it is. And, and even like, it just gives you what you need. And you are at her leisure or pleasure because she knows how to create some of the most diverse arrangements of music. And and in the interview that I was listening to, she talked about how she'd hear a song and she'd be like, "Yeah, that's not what I want it to sound like." And the mm-hmm. arrangers would be like, "Oh, well, we need you to do this." And she's like, "Yeah, that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be it's mm-hmm. going to be more. It's going to be Avril Lavigne. It's not going to be this. And I want it to be this. And and she knows what she's doing. She's so smart. There is an intellect about her." It's a, she is a student of music and she knows how to bring the best to us. And, and that's I, what
2: really, she, oh, that's I'm what so struck excited. me about the album, Kevin. Yeah, was that this is someone who clearly knows music and is a music fan. And yes. she's a, a fan of a particular time period that you referenced there. And this is her saying, these are all the things I love and I'm going to put my spin on them. And yep. so you have someone who's an astute student of the art form then kind of taking it and putting it through the filter of her own talent. And it's a wild disc. Like there were times oh, where I'm like, "Insane!" I'm listening. to. I was like, did I go to another album? Am I still on the same album? What's happening right now? And I'm like, no, that's, this is still the same thing, but it <laughs> there it's, so interesting to me it's um really uh i'm gonna get in trouble for saying this but i'm saying this it's big dick energy in a female album (laughs) and i appreciate that because um and and uh, what you were saying about her like really itemizing how she wanted things to to sound i fully buy that based on what i heard so my hope is that this is really the thing that kind of she's been around for this is not her first album i think it's
1: her first studio album okay I think it's her um, first studio album. But, like, even the way she starts this with Dynasty, it's just, yeah. like, oh, my God. Hearing the way... Hearing just, like, her high... Like, I don't want to say high-pitched because that sounds wrong because I'm... Um, but hearing the way she sings Dynasty, I'm just, like, oh, my God, yes. Ah, oh, she just... She's really, 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 really fantastic. I I adore her, and I am... She released a new single recently. That, yeah um, oh, what is it called? It's gonna bother me um, oh it's called it's called lucid. It's called Lucid Yes, it's so good. I mean she's excellence.
2: She is. And I'm hoping that this will be really her breakthrough um, because I think she's definitely deserving of, of more attention. So um, with that, we are running long again. I'm sorry if you're what? listening to these 2020 best ofs. <laughs> um, I apologize, but we did get through all of them. And so I want to say that those are our picks. Did you listen to any of them? Do you have opinions? Is there something else that we missed? This episode is really just the beginning of the discussion. So let us know your favorites on social media and at greatpopculturedebate.com. And please make sure that Come back to our website right in the beginning of 2021 because we have got the polls hitting the deck for season three. They're going to open right in the first week of the new year. We're talking best movie musical, best one-hit wonder, best Ben and Jerry's flavor, and best Muppet, just to name a few. And we want your votes because you actually have a say in what we discuss. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or Audible, and make sure that you're following us on all of our social media accounts for all the latest news and if you have not yet supported us on patreon and pod hero yet please do so uh there are so many great perks and we would love to have you as part of our little pod family so thank you to my panel i appreciate all of your thoughts and your picks and thank you for listening this year and let's look forward to an even better and brighter 2021